Welcome to Writers Talking TV, the podcast sponsored by the Writers Guild of Canada. I'm Jill Gollick. We're here tonight on beautiful Queen Street West in downtown Toronto to talk to showrunner Malcolm McCrory about his new series, Crash and Burn. people in the audience you wanted to introduce. I do, I do. I want to uh, single out, uh, first of all, thanks everybody for coming. I guess people aren't paying their cable bills, which is bad for uh, <laughs> the industry overall. But uh, three-fifths, basically, of uh, our fabu- the fabulous writers that show are here. So the inimitable Jackie May, please. Uh, <laughs> Jackie. Uh, who uh, saved our ass many, 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 many times over the last six months. Uh, likewise, Jeremy Boxen, who uh, uh, you will all be working for someday soon, and uh, Jennifer Beasley, who is uh, fantastic. Also, uh, my girlfriend is here. Uh, her name is Lisa Calamaro, and uh, she's been my girlfriend for close to 19 years. My agent is here from Los Angeles. And she not only was instrumental in setting up this project at HBO, but more importantly, getting it out of there. <laughs> so, thank you. Uh, and as well as my girlfriend, my wife of 20 years is here. Uh, I haven't seen her much in the last six months, so thank you for doing everything, plus two full-time jobs. The only thing I did in the last six months was bury our cat. Aww. Okay. No, you have to stay there. So, Malcolm, um, now, you know, let's start with this HBO story. Because you've had this project around for quite a long time, right? Yeah, uh, right after 9 11. So it was like uh, year 2001. 2001. Yeah, and it was uh, initially a project going to be done with HBO. Uh, and my friend Johnny Coles, uh, New York director, and uh, got really close, and then it didn't. So uh, it took us, I think it was like, takes a while under the WGA rules for it to get free and clear, and they also wouldn't let us take it to any of their cable competitors. So it just kind of sat there for a while. Um, But now I have my revenge. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, where did the idea come from? Uh, I had just finished doing a show, uh, and Johnny had just finished doing a show, Wonderland, which was a great, like, five, six episodes. We both got hooked on doing TV shows, and so I spent a lot of time in New York with him, and we came up with this idea that we thought would be fun to do about insurance adjusters. He had a friend from college, his best friend, who started Progressive Insurance, and Progressive is now, like, a billion-dollar company, but... All the stories he'd tell when he came to town were all about these bikers he was insuring and the crazy scams that were going on in the business. So we thought, well, maybe there's some territory here. We could do uh, something set in that world. Hadn't been done before. Yeah. No, it hadn't been done. And, and so, so what did you do? How did you start? Did you have HBO in mind when you started? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? <laughs> uh, but we did. Uh, and we did the rounds, and uh, 
believe it or not, we sold the idea in the room, uh, but they didn't tell us in the room because they were, like, really frosty, you know, like, so you had to really entertain them, and they still wouldn't give you any response uh, to it. But then, uh, and I, we went out of the room, and Johnny hit me, and he said, if only you were David, David uh, Chase. Uh, and I said, if only you were uh, Slot, what's the guy's name, Slami Bami or whatever yeah, his name. Yeah, Tommy Slami. Tommy Slami. <laughs> so we went off and got drunk. He bought a very expensive shirt uh, <laughs> to cheer himself up. And then, like, an hour later, they called and said, yes, it's an interesting project. We want to buy it. So uh, that was great. And what did you have going into that pitch? What did, like had you had you written the script? Two or pages. You had two pages. Two pages. Yeah. And how well w- worked out was it? Not at all. And, ha- <laughs> and how rehearsed was the pitch? Not at all. Okay. Yeah, but I, I, I'm pretty good in my feet. He was actually kind of zoning out in that pitch. I got to say, I think he <laughs> thought it was going to fail, so uh, he was kind of checking his texts, and so I had to like really entertain them. But they're a tough crowd. That was Carolyn Strauss who's gone. Yeah. And and um, uh, is he still involved? Uh, he's got uh, uh, an executive producer credit, which he's very happy with. And uh, I think he might get involved again. He thinks it's going to be a hit. So he wa- he's now uh, <laughs> trying to sell us into the States or wanting to. Oh, but, well, uh, that's good. A lot of people are, so uh, we'll see. Yeah. So, so, okay, so you've got – so HBO says they want to – the dream comes true. HBO yeah. says yes. What happens next? Uh, what happened next? I wrote a treatment, uh, then a, a script. Uh, I think I wrote two drafts for them, and they really liked it. But they couldn't sell it upstairs to the guy that was there at the time. I forget his name. The guy that got the sex scandal later. Um, Chris Sauber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know your sex scandal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it kind of languished, but it did get me uh, the job when I worked on Deadwood because uh, they loved the script and they sent it to David Milch and he loved it and it, he liked it because he is a scammer. So it was sort of like it reminded him of his youth. And so, yeah. so, so this has been a really good script for you then because yeah. it it has served you really well and yeah. now it's a show. So now, so you got the the rights back. Yeah. This year. This last year. year. We made last the pilot year. in uh, last October. Last year. And where did you yeah. go with then what happened? Did you? And well, you Showcase was looking for a uh, one-hour, which they hadn't uh, done before, yeah. and uh, they were wanting to get into one hours. They wanted something in the vein of Rescue Me, that kind of show, because that's done well for them. Uh, so I said, well, I could try to come up with something, but maybe this would work. And they responded. They loved the script. And then we had to do the research to think, could this story that was set originally in Brighton Beach work in Hamilton. And uh, luckily for us, uh, it's the exact same insurance laws, exact same kind of scams going on, the no-fault world. And then even the more research we did, we discovered that uh, uh, after the Boris bust, uh, famous Boris bust, who's Boris, of uh, 2004, a lot of the Eastern European con men and gangsters got pushed out of New Jersey and New York. And where'd they come? GTA. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was uh, great for us, maybe not so great for the city. <laughs> so, okay, so, 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 you, so what did you pick? You showed, showcased the script? Yep. And did and they react like HBO? Did they, no. Did they give you time to buy a shirt? 
No, uh, they well, it was a bit slower than that. It wasn't mm-hmm. as fast as HBO, but uh, it was a pretty uh, quick response. Then, of course, the question was, you know, would they wanted to make a pilot first, which we kind of marched towards doing very quickly. Uh, they, I think they were thinking of doing three or four pilots, and uh, I teamed up with Wizbang, who I'd done Zoss with, and uh, we moved uh, very quickly because we wanted to be first in line uh, to be their first one-hour show, uh, and we made it by the skin of our teeth. It was sort of uh, got the show up and running, financed, and shot it last October, November, uh, posted it, was ready, and I think we were the first one finished or close to, maybe clean. Clean might have been neck and neck with us. Mm-hmm. And then the decision, they had three or four pilots to look at, and they made the decision, ooh, end of March. Uh, so then it was like, go, go, go. Uh, so. Um, and you wrap yeah. now? No. <laughs> <laughs> where are you no, it's one of those exciting times that I haven't had in a long time where you're, we're going to be airing starting November 18th, and we'll still be shooting, which is, uh, you know, getting rarer and rarer, at least yeah. in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? To be airing while you're shooting? Oh, it's a great thing. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. making a TV show is like putting out a newspaper, so it makes it more feel like what you're doing rather than putting a, getting a newspaper ready and then six months go by, oh, that newspaper's kind of old now. Yeah. <laughs> so how many ha- are done and what's left to do? We finish uh, 9 out of 13 this Thursday, uh, two days from now, and then we have five, six weeks left to do the last four. Okay. So now just tell us a little bit about the show itself. I mean, we've got the insurance. Uh, The show's about Jimmy Byrne, the lead. Uh, And when we went in, when they said, who do you think of Jimmy? Jimmy Byrne is at the center of everything. In fact, it's kind of funny because we have a huge cast, uh, but there are all these different pods, and the only person <laughs> that I think has had scenes with all of them is our lead, because uh, and that's intentional too. It kind of reveals different sides of him every time he goes with. But it's about a guy who's kind of the embattled, uh, embattled uh, young wor- working class, like a working class hero, which we don't have a lot of, who's caught between the mob world and the. Uh, criminal underbelly world and the group home world that he comes from and the corporate world that he's kind of entering into and uh, the question, you know, it's all about is he going to make it and where is he going to turn out because he's kind of a uh, artful dodger, mysterious character that we're not quite sure uh, what his uh, motives are and what he wants in life. Uh, So it's really a a story about him. It's a story about him, and, and yeah. some of that stuff will be revealed through the first season. Who yeah, we parcel it out over time. Oh, um, I like so, that. Yeah. All right, so shall we watch the first one? Is there something to set up? Is that the setup? Uh, what, we're going to watch the first episode? Yeah. And is this the, the pilot that you shot? Uh, no, we shot uh, a different pilot, uh, which will now air third with uh-huh. re- some reshoots. Uh, so we can talk about that later if we are talking later um but the um yeah we we uh once uh jackie and jen and uh jeremy and john krasank and bobby theodore myself and graham clegg once we got together it was where to start the show and we decided to start two episodes earlier uh and then to use the existing pilot with changes as the third one 
Uh, and the third one probably takes Jimmy to the second darkest place he'll go in the whole season. The darkest place being the second last episode. Yeah. Okay. And the last, I guess, if you count, <laughs> if you count the backyard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so let's watch this first one and then we'll come back and talk some more. because uh, as a pilot because it wasn't a pilot that was written as a pilot yeah before the show like you had the show so you guys got to sit around in the room and strategize about what you were going to put on the page for the pilot now that there really was the show was really going to go on the air so what was your thinking around that uh i think it's kind of like uh um as i said the, the original pilot uh, takes it's hinted at at the end of this episode but takes it to a much darker place um, and I think our feeling was you gotta like Jimmy to go along for the ride with him and I think setting him up this way a guy that's got all these pulls and fighting for his job it establishes him as somebody to root for and then we can sort of see oh who is he really what's the what's the you know the story behind the story and I think the uh the original pilot tried to do that, but it did it in a much more uh, kind of in-your-face way. It, it, it was like what I, John David Coles, the, the first episode, a wonderful series, Wonder, Wonderland, uh, set in Bellevue Mental Hospital. And he, they started with an episode where Michelle Forbes gets stabbed in her pregnant belly by a junkie. And they got canceled after two episodes, three episodes. And in retrospect... That was the debate. Do we start there or do we get there? And I think we, together as a writer's team, decided to start with more slide into who Jimmy is, who Lou is, and fall in love with them before we uh, start mucking around with them some more. But you still had to have those elements that would um, <coughs> like start big, you know, mm-hmm. the strategy to start big and really attract the audience. So was that... Did that go into what kind of cases you chose? or? Well, it sort of it came down to Jimmy fighting for his job. And it was a hard one to, uh, to uh, you know, put him on the bubble right away. It was a hard one to do, that, that goddamn leaderboard. We just, uh, we worked so hard trying to make that work and editing and writing. And uh, hopefully it does. But it was, <laughs> it was uh, a great visual thing. And then it was like, what does it really mean, uh, you know? Uh, well, is yeah. it does it does it have its roots in reality? Sure. Yeah. 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 And do you really understand how it works? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> do you guys feel like you sort of did at the end? By the end, yeah, like like it was kind open of open liability. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of bewildering at first, but I yeah. sort of got numbers go up, numbers go down, and that's good or bad. Yeah. 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 But it does sort of say it's all about the money. Right, like Jimmy's job is to save his company money, uh, and that's always going to be a pressure on him. Right, yeah. because we think of insurance the other way. Which way? <laughs> that it's supposed to, you know, you get insured because it's going to help you. Oh, right. right, right, right. <laughs> now there's a line that uh, Jackie wrote for our swizzle rule, which was, uh, "My job is to put a price on everything, 
and then my job is to bring that price way down. <laughs> so do you guys have questions out here already? Okay, start thinking about them. Um, so now, did you think about this show in terms of A, B, and C stories, or did you, like, how did you approach the the body of the script, like the time? Did you break it down into different parts? or? Well, we knew everyone had sort of a, a relationship story with Jimmy and Luke, set them up, uh, and then she will enter into a world down the road that will bring his client sort of into the story. She'll, mm -hmm. she'll become part of that. But, uh, no, I think it's, it's mainly an A story. Mainly uh, an A story. Yeah, is that true? Like, no? <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, what's the answer here? Uh, no, we thought of A, B, and C stories, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there a lot. <laughs> tell us about breaking them. Yeah. We broke from April till... Yeah. yeah, so we broke for, for about three months, I think, we broke story. And we would start with the A story. Uh, a lot of us came in with A, a stories, with insurance stories that we found off the web or that we had from our past experience. And that usually started as the insurance story. The relationship is more of the season arc. Um, and we did, we did try hard to have some closure. To yeah, so an insurance, insurance story. The insurance story is what makes us episodic. Oh yeah, and I I know. But no, I'm forgetting. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's sort of like the, the if there is a formula, it's like begin with something weird and spectacular, right? Then we have the fake commercial. That's the propaganda for, of the insurance industry. So every episode has a fake commercial, uh -huh. like the one you saw, the heaven one. <clears throat> then we meet Jimmy, and. Uh, Sorry, I had a thought. The um, yeah, that there, it's like kind of like uh, Long order. no six feet under, oh. six feet yeah, under, yeah, better. six feet under, <laughs> much classier, yeah, six feet under. Where there's a case of the week, which has there in their case a death of the week, a funeral of the week, but that's not the whole episode. It's like a quarter of the episode, and the rest is the relationships in the office and in Jimmy and Lou's life. But um. Does, the Russians. does the insurance case always sort of resonate thematically with the characters in some way? Much as we could. As much as we could. We tried. I think that varies yeah. from episode to episode. But we yeah. do start the way that either Six Feet Under or Law and Order does, where we start with our guests. We don't start with our, our lead characters. We start with people we've never met before. Yeah. And their dilemma. And then uh, the commercial. And then Jimmy usually waking up with Lucia and then coming to the scene. Or on the job. Or, or coming the in the accident scene. On the job. But yeah, yeah. if it's a big uh, season arc episode, then the insurance story kind of peters out quicker. Yeah, like some of our insurance stories uh, end by the second act. Because <laughs> 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 we had too much fun doing uh, Russian mob stuff and, uh, you know, things like that as well. Five commercial breaks? Yeah. And w did you have a kind of a philosophy about wh what kind of a moment you wanted to go to commercial on, like an act break philosophy? We worked uh, really hard on the act ends. Most of them end on Jimmy because we were trying to do it. This is the Jimmy show. Uh, we veered away from that maybe once an episode where we'd end on something else. But always high drama, high emotions. Yeah. High drama, high emotions, something to bring them back. 
In fact, the old pilot, number three, didn't really have that so much, so that will stand out a bit now compared to one and two uh, in terms of the act ends. Okay, yeah. we have a yeah. question here. I'm just wondering if you write towards the commercial breaks or if you just write it and then you, you find where you're going to put the commercials later. No, we, uh, I think we did think, I, 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 I think all of us working on the show tend to, are good at structure and we all tended to think, you know, you know, sometimes it would be as simple as Act One, the ending; Act Two, the ending; Act Three, the ending; Act Four, and then we'd fill it in. So it was uh, it was kind of driven by the act ends, uh, in large part. Yeah. Do insurance guys get insurance? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> They'll get a company discount. <laughs> yeah. uh, in fact, uh, the guy you saw that just got fired, uh, Rick, will because uh, I love to bring characters back. He'll come back down the road as working for the Yellow Jackets, the A-State guys. <laughs> so, uh, and Jimmy gets to make fun of his jacket. Was so, that the yeah. guy who interrupted earlier? <laughs> I don't know who that was. <laughs> what kind of research? Oh, sorry. Well, I was just, I was just going to say that that you know I remember in the development of the HBO show that they kept coming back to you and saying, "Give us less, give us less, give us less," because their world, they commit to the whole series, and they'll run it, and they'll run it, and they'll run it, and they'll just they'll build their audience that way. Whereas with a show where you're dealing with commercial breaks and all those things, is that was that part of the process of changing over to the? There's more. The that's probably the difference between episode three and our other episodes. In that way, I think we uh, uh, there is a, a bit of a um, bring them back from the commercials, even though probably most people don't even watch. Uh, with commercials anymore, they're PVRing or so on. But there is, I think there's more story and more going on. These episodes are pretty packed um, uh, compared to a uh, uh, typical HBO show, I guess. Yeah. They yeah. just build it out over a yeah. time. Yeah. This this is hev scene heavy. Do you guys know how many scenes you had in an, in an episode? What average count scene count? A lot. Page yeah. count? 60 scenes and how many um, pages? Uh, 50. Two or three. Wow. 52 or three. Yeah. If it's really actually heavy, under 50. But that's, that's the style of the show, right? Like it's, uh, and it, it uh, I got to say, you know, Whizbang and the production has done a tremendous job doing this show uh, in like 12, 13 days for two episodes. Uh, it's phenomenal, uh, I think. We look at the production values, not just how it looks, but we're going here, we're going there, we're going there. Like it's not uh, a typical Canadian TV show that way. It's open, and uh, we've been able to do that. It's, but that's the, that's the writing style. The writing style is go here, go here, go there, not lots of sit around in a room for five pages. And lots and lots of characters too. That's yep. got to be very heavy on the, hard on the budget yep. as well. Yeah, cast days are heavy. Everything's heavy. It's a remarkable, I think, accomplishment to pull it off as well as we have. So you had a huge budget. No, we had no budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this, is, this show is totally financed out of Canada. So where yeah. were so where were the savings? Smart people working hard. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs>
Every single source of money in Canada was accessed for this. Everything. Uh, and we're right on the line of going over budget, but that's after 10, 11 episodes. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the exact figure, but this is substantially less than Doyle, Flashpoint, Listener, like substantially. This is, it's more than Murdoch, uh, but it's, you know, for what we're trying to accomplish, it's uh, quite amazing. So tell me about researching. What kind of research did you do? I mean, how important it is, is it to you that it be real and f grounded in some kind of real truth? About it had to feel real. Mm -hmm. uh, it had to be grounded. We did have an insurance uh, advisor, and we, had, we met with the uh, fraud, Canadian fraud uh, guy several times. Uh, and I had done a lot of research uh, the last go-around, the American go-around. Like, I think I gave uh, Bobby and Jen files and files that I think Julie actually put together originally <laughs> back in the McCurry year production days. Um, so we had a, a lot to go on and at a certain point uh, it's like any cop show or any uh, doctor show. Does it have the ring of truth? Could this happen? Yeah, yeah, that could happen, sure. As long as you get them to say, yeah, that could happen, then you're fine. Yeah. Uh, but we, we're going to get into all the medical fraud stuff and that's absolutely real and nobody knows about it which is going to be fun to see uh, um, it's explained in the very next episode Jackie's episode it's sort of like uh, how you can make $800,000 from one little fender bender you know so that is that's going to be cool to get a reaction to that yeah. so but it's it's car insurance that he does, right? So it does every that, type of he insurance. He does every type of insurance. Yeah, because that's a bit of a, a stretch. Yeah, yeah. But you need the story. Yeah. So he does car. He does house. He does arson. He does, uh, you know, uh, golf carts. He does uh, horses. He does. Uh, what else did we do? We got other ones. Uh, a church, <laughs> church accidents, <laughs> malfunctioning crosses, um, <laughs> um, home invasions by animals, wild animals. So there's a, a lot of stuff to start the show. Okay. Jackie, when you said you, you spent three months breaking, um, is that meant the whole season was broken by then and you just, you, you just have to write the scripts no, now? I think or? we broke up That was about seven. That was about seven, and then... Yeah, we kept dwindling. Again, we, we we're the we're the we're the little show that could. We don't we don't have, we didn't have a writing staff of ten or twenty or whatever. Yeah. So we started with six, like and well, then we were down to four, <laughs> <laughs> and then it was down to Jackie and yeah. Jen and myself. And now it's just I was gonna say, Jen and I. This is Jackie's last day. <laughs> Not that that's the way we wanted it, but that's just the uh, the new reality of uh, making TV saving. here. Yeah. And what, like, how how involved was the network in your process? <coughs> did they have a lot of notes? <coughs> did they? In the beginning, they you know they wanted to make sure we were on a track that they wanted to to air. Uh, it was more, what you saw here was more emotional than than what we had originally gone on. The directions got more heart to it, uh, but it was also. Um, um, Verbal pitch. So they let us work for, I don't know, a month or three weeks. 
And then Tara and Susan would come in and uh, would lead them through the stories, what they were. And we never had a story uh, unapproved, uh, nothing ever thrown back at us. I think uh, uh, we were you know, blessed to have very supportive uh, people doing that with us. Mm-hmm. And then we'd do an outline for them and then a get notes and then do a draft. Uh, but uh, by and large, the, the whole, that whole process was both painless and uh, good. But, yeah. And do you spend your day on set? Are you always on set? Uh, no. Uh, I was in the beginning when Anne, because Anne was a new director to the show. Mm-hmm. Kenny Girardi couldn't do it the first starters up again. And got Anne, and Anne did a great job, but she was new to it. So I was there all the time then, uh, less so with Kenny because he had done the pilot. Um, and less and less as time goes by am I there and it's just a function of time because now we're posting uh, music I'm really involved in the music of the show so it's there's all types of reasons not to be on set anymore uh, including the fact that now we're down to two writers right? right. Um, and there's always because the budget's so tight you're always fitting stories that are too big too ambitious into 12 days 13 days for two so it's all block shot in groups of two. So you have one director come in and do two at once? Yeah. One director preps for two episodes, another director's directing two at the same time. So, again, that's smart with money. It's hard on the writers, though. Uh, but it's it, it maximizes your time because you can have, say, we got five days on the road. You can split that. That's one week of rentals versus two weeks of trucks and all the rest of it. Right. So, but you got to have... It puts all the pressure on the writers to get it, to get it right, and to get them done fast. So explain what the pressures really are on the writers in prepping two shows in in twelve days. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's self-evident, uh, Jill. <laughs> okay. You know, it's like you've got you've got X amount of dollars, X amount of time, and you've got scripts that are. That you have too to big. pull back. Yeah. You're just pulling back. You're rewriting. You're yeah. writing them down. And, and and how much how much how much change do you make for directors for their taste for their under feel of the show? Um, they <clears throat> sometimes it's a, a question uh, where you just let them go. Um, there was one in particular that I just let Jackie deal with. <laughs> <laughs> The longest tech survey in the history of the world, where Jackie rode the bus with this director, um, and then we and then we end up uh, fixing it in post, but that director will not be invited back. Uh, but the other ones are great. Everybody else has been terrific, you know. So if they come with ideas, of course you're going to you know respond to that. Uh, but they have to come <coughs> with a sense of humor, and they have to come. They want to make this show. They don't want to come and make their own movie. So when you're, but when you're, you're prep, when you're in prep, do, does the writer who wrote the episode work, go through prep with that episode? No, because we didn't have the writers to do that. Yeah, because that would have taken you down two writers any week. So who serve? So just one writer. They weren't services. in the building, Joe. <laughs> okay, so the, right, the writers weren't yeah. on set. I mean, by the time that we got around to doing. Uh, uh, Jeremy's first episode, he was gone. By the time we got around to doing Bobby's episode, he was gone. So you know, who does the rewrites in prep? Was uh, it you or Jackie was it Jackie? And, uh, John, uh, Jackie and myself and 
Yeah, really. Okay. Yeah, we did all that. Yeah. Okay. More Gen questions? Yeah. yeah. Were there any instances of uh, like feedback from uh, sort of the feedback loop of watching something and going, I love what that actor's doing, or I love the way that dynamic's playing and writing that into? A little bit, a little bit. Um, not uh, not as much as, again, not as much. If, if, if we'd had two, you know, in, on a, a big show, you'd have two people on set and you'd be able to respond continually to that. And we didn't have that luxury. So then uh, you're kind of writing, you have to write so far ahead to prep that you don't get a lot of time to uh, do improv on that. Fortunately, if you hire the right actors, and we have, they do their own improv, uh, and they develop their own connections. Uh, and I'm a big believer in that. Uh, um, you want to change a line? Great. Is it a better line? Great. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Do you have to hear it first? No. No. I, 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 I keep an internal voice that way. So it's. Uh, but uh, you know, trying to hang on to uh, lines seems ridiculous to me. You know, and I know a lot of showrunners show do that, but it doesn't make any sense to me. You've got to let the actors in, and, and, and um, otherwise uh, it's going to be a play. It's going to be stagey. Yep. Obviously there are, like, good laughs at sort of regular intervals. Is that something you'd consider an episode incomplete without, like, would you lower a script and say, like, this one doesn't have enough? Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, the, the, the one, one we were talking about, we had to go back and work through this director's episodes, put the laughs back in. Because it turned into, uh, yeah. you know, um, personally, it's it's kind of a, a personal style for me. I can't take drama seriously if there's no comedy, and I I can't take comedy seriously if it's not done straight. So, this sauce, there are both uh, blends of comedy and drama, and that it's hard to do, but I, I think <coughs> it's the best. Yeah, best for me anyway. It's the best way to go. With it. So you're still working on it, and now are your days still filled with writing? Well, we have now uh, finished uh, episodes 12 and 13, uh -huh. uh, first drafts. They start prepping on Friday. <laughs> wow. Uh, but that's a, a monkey off our backs, so we're almost there in terms of the writing. And those two episodes will now have to be what we call, we coined the fresh and crammed down, you know, sort of fit into the box uh, and... Uh, that's really the last big writing challenge to do that. How long do they take to write now? <laughs> Pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. How long have we got? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so that's not quite fair. I mean, 12 and 13, even from, I mean, it's funny. You go back and look at the big board we had, make, and we're old, we were old-fashioned. The whole room is filled with cards, you know, like cards all the way through. But we also had one whiteboard, and I was looking at it the other day, and Almost all the ideas we talked about last mm -hmm. spring, we're now there at 12 and 13. We sort of knew where we were going with the stories. We just hadn't got around to writing them till uh, the last minute. How do you ensure that your kind of arc, your season arc, got in there? Like, what was the strategy? For, did you have certain beats that had to go in certain scripts? Or um, we we map it out. Um, but then, you know, you'd find things, oh, gee, I, I remember, and personally, my, my sort of ref, reflective time was, you know, get home at midnight, sit in the backyard till two, drinking and thinking, uh, and another thing I do. 
Uh, and so oftentimes I'd come in the next morning and say, oh, I got drunk and, you know, I, I thought of this. And we, uh, uh, like, the biggest one was the Russian connection to our cop characters coming in. You know, like, we can't pull it out of the rabbit, out of the hat. We've got to lay that in. And so we searched through the scripts. Okay, how can we do that? How can we do that? And it was, you know, uh, unfortunately, we begin each episode with a recap. So even oh, if we you? haven't set it up, yeah, like the next one will have a recap and recap, recap. So we can s- sneak some of that stuff in in the recap so it'll feel like we can pretend it's organic when the audience feels, oh, I always suspected that cop was bad. So, so the, 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 um, the close of every episode, the curtain is sort of the arc, right? It, it's a, is that right? It sort Sorry? of hints at what's coming next. Uh, the last one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And and and, I mean that was okay with the network to have a really arced season, even though I know you say there was an episodic feel to the. Uh, yeah, it was a. It's a. As I say, it's a combination. The same way Six Feet Under was, you know, like you could watch that show and say, oh, it's the story of that funeral. You could watch this episode and say, oh, it's the story of that first guy we met crashing, but then there's all types of stuff going on that, you know, you won't get or you won't get as well unless you watch them all. Right. Um, unless the recaps help you to, to tune in. And uh, and, and uh, what's going on on the web? Um, big site starts pretty much the same week we launch. Uh, Peter McSkimmon's doing it. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have much to do with that or nothing really other than to... But he did some shooting on set. Oh, yeah. yeah. He stuff did like a, he did with uh, Sauce. Yeah. He did a big virtual accident where staged like a 20-car collision and then you... Uh, Jimmy's at the center of it as the adjuster, and then you can sort of follow. I think all the cars are, like, frozen in air, and then you can follow that car and that victim or that body, that uh, tow truck driver, that kind of idea. Uh-huh. So you get to play Jimmy. And yeah, uh, uh, autopsy of an accident or something like that it's called. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it looks pretty cool. It looks yeah. like it's cool. Yeah. Yep, sure. Hey, um, I can't remember when we talked about this, but with casting... I just wonder if you can take us through the process because it can be so nerve-wracking when you're casting a show for the very first time and getting your lead. And I wonder, you know, yeah. did you make any changes? I guess you couldn't have. If you are using the original pilot in the third episode. Yeah. Uh, one, we changed Jimmy's uh, fiance. Uh-huh. Uh, we recast her part. And then the small thing, the part that Peter Stebbings plays, uh, that was originally uh, another fine actor from Vancouver, but... Again, it's you know, money, so what, are we going to fly him in every episode to do the part? So we switched to Peter. So there were two parts that we recast. I think it was just two. Um, and, of course, the pressure was on you know, Jimmy's fiance. That's uh, like third on the cast list. So mm-hmm. we looked pretty hard for, for Leela. Um, in terms of the uh, – I mean, I remember going in when we had the first script a year ago before the pilot, and – uh, the network asked, so who do you see Jimmy as? I said, Luke Kirby. Right? And they said, oh, yeah, I think you can get him. Yeah, we can try. And, and I said, who do you see Walker as? Clark Johnson. Ooh, we love Clark. I think you can get him? <laughs> <laughs> and we got both of them. So it was amazing that we were able to, to do that. Yeah. And then you'll notice, uh, you know, I, I tend to be, if you find actors you like, you and that, like you, stick with them. So I think we're now up to about 13 Zossites mm-hmm. are in uh, in the season, including 
Enrico Colantoni and Michelle <laughs> Nolden are coming in episode eight to play. They were Speedo Boy and Sean yeah. to play husband and wife in a, a guest stars in an episode. Well, that's yeah. fabulous. Yeah. There was a question back here, I think. It's too hot, maybe. Start in the industry. How you start? Well, I'm really old, <laughs> so it goes back a long way. Uh, my first. Real TV job was on Street Legal. Uh, the first season, of, they did six, and then they were expanded to 13, and I had written magazines and magazine articles, comedy magazines, started a couple of comedy magazines, and uh, couldn't make any money. So, um, you know, maybe it was an easier time. I don't know. I went in and, uh, you know, got to pitch a story and did an outline. So, uh, um, But they were looking for writers because it was a show that was just about to expand to do that. And uh, so I was lucky enough to, to get one. And then the next year they decided, oh, we're, we're going to have a whole writer's team. So and then I was lucky enough to get that. Uh, so that, I, that was my first real job in TV. Paid a lot better than working in magazines. So mm -hmm. with it. And it was more fun, too, because I didn't like calling people up when I was a journalist or a pseudo-journalist or whatever, it was sort of like, it'd be embarrassing to bother people and call them up and sorry, <laughs> <laughs> disturb their time and ask them personal questions. Better just to overhear and make it up and read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever do that as a journalist? Makes things up, yes, yeah. all the time. Yeah. 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 Back there. I have a question. I really like the music in the show. And I was just oh, thanks. Uh, that was really important to me. It, it's probably the, the funnest part of the job is doing that. I love going into the music studio. It's up at, we got Jack Lenz, uh, and he got his son, Asher, who's brilliant, and Steve, okay. to, to do the music uh, for, uh, for us. And then what we did was, um, on Zoss, we had a star song start the show in the credits, and that w worked out really well. And so what we went to uh, Arts and Crafts label, and convinced them that this would be great to have uh, one song uh, of their catalog in every episode. Uh, and we'd pay them for it, but we'd get sort of a discount uh, uh, for that. And this is the type of show that, you know, they're like an up-and-coming label and Canadian, and this kind of show works for them uh, to showcase their artists. That said, we still couldn't get their biggest artists. But uh, it was, I was mostly interested in the Constantines and Still Life Still and Timbray, and every episode will have a song by them in it, uh, plus a Mary Margaret O'Hara song down the road, which is, I'm very excited about, uh, and a few others like that. Uh, but the guys at uh, Lens are writing stuff, uh, terrific stuff to go with it. And it's not, we're trying not to write kind of typical stings, but trying more just to generally set the energy and the mood rather than nail it on the head that this is the, uh, you know, the, uh, what you're supposed to be feeling. That's the goal anyways. If there was, my partner Frank would be there and he said, dial that down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dial that down. I hate that sting stuff. <laughs> yeah. Is there another question back there? Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, when you're, when you're talking to people, just having a casual conversation about what you're working on, and you say, I'm working on a drama about insurance fraud, mm. <laughs> how does the conversation go? How do you explain it to people? 
that's a little hard. It, it's probably the reason something like this hasn't popped before, because it's on the surface, you know, a little bit of a hard sell. But uh, you know, you throw in words like sex, mob, uh, you know, guns, and uh, things like that, and uh, it starts to see it a little more interesting. But I mean, when I was t doing some interviews, I, it's a little bit in the zeitgeist because the weird thing about insurance is it almost just brought down the world, the economic order, right? You can't do anything in this life without insurance. You know, uh, you can't make a TV show. Liability. What's that? You know, lawyers looking through things. Uh, your kids go to school. They can't play in that playground unless they sign the waivers or unless it's cleared. Everything now has a price and trying to uh, monetize what everything's worth. So, I, you know, and when AIG went down and almost crumbled, you sort of realized it's kind of an elaborate, elaborate con game. Uh, so our show, that, so when you say things like that, it's about insurance scams, but also about the scam of insurance. People say, oh, yeah, I got insurance. Yeah, they're never, uh, they kind of rip me up. So hopefully, uh, you know, it'll strike some sort of chord. But that being said, would it be a CBC show or a CTV show or, you know, a conventional TV? No, probably would not. It's, it's a, if it's anything, it's, you know, Showtime, FX, that kind of world. Because uh, insurance. Yeah. Would that, I mean, uh, Can West can't play it on the main network. They can't right away. They will in like a year or two time. Yeah. But it's yeah. got language and sex and, I mean, is it not too racy for it? They'll play it at like 10 o'clock in, uh, you know, a year or two time, uh, I think. I think. Yeah, that's certainly the plan. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and you said there's some interest. People are shopping it in the States now? Well, we did a sizzle reel for it, and we took that to MIP, and uh, we've got like six people want to buy it, right? But that's based on the sizzle reel. <laughs> now they got to look at the real show. <laughs> um, and one of those people would also sell it in the States. The others would be foreign, you know, all the different markets. Uh, but we're going to go back to um, the uh, cable-y, cable-like networks with it now that we've got a finished show in 13 episodes. Hey, you get it for a good price. Yeah. And it would be great to have a little more money to do your next yeah. season with. Yeah, that would uh, be the hope. And yeah. is there word on that, or is that just way too early to be talking about second season? Yeah, we got to air it first and see how people like it. Yeah. Do, are there more questions out here? Yeah. Yeah. What <laughs> uh, Well, it was almost like market testing. Initially, it was called Lawyers, Guns, and Money, and that was the title that I had always called it. Uh, and it came to a point where that was kind of a, a big deal for uh, the network. They uh, thought that it didn't convey the show uh, as well, like weren't that many lawyers, weren't that many guns, uh, <laughs> a lot, you know. So, in fact, funny story, when we were shooting the pilot, uh, I think it was Frenchie or one of the gun guys in town called up and said, hey, you've got to get me on that show, Lawyers, Guns, and Money. And I said, I hate to tell you, there's only one gun that's not fired. <laughs> 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 so I think uh, Crash and Burn, especially with the dollar sign in it, kind of, and it's Jimmy Byrne, kind of conveys, uh, you know, a little bit more what it's, uh, the world it's in. So. Isn't yeah. it nice? That yeah. sequence, Isn't yeah. that cool? Yeah. So, Mal, thank you very much. This was great. Really enjoyed the show. Yeah.
Writers Talking TV is sponsored by the Writers Guild of Canada. Check out their website at wgc.ca for more information about the podcast and about the business of writing in Canada. Thanks for joining us tonight. The man behind the wheel of this podcast is Philip Vukovic. I'm Jill Golick reminding you that the secret to writing is writing.